0: God our Father is here with us and he delights to hear from his children. So let's come before God in prayer as we begin our service now. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do praise you for all of the gifts of creation. We are reminded that they spring from your word. Your word that was here from before there was anything else your word that exists eternally in perfect community of love with you and with the holy spirit your word who became flesh and dwelt among us whose glory we have seen your word who is jesus our savior and our lord Thank you that your face has always been turned towards us in favor, even to the point of sending Jesus into the world to suffer with us and for us, that we might share your glory and your joy. Lord God, help us to understand more and more just how much you love us. And Lord, in the light of your love and by the power of your Spirit, help us to share that love with all whom we meet, day in and day out. We pray now the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We come to the part in our service where we read and reflect on God's Word. And we're reading this morning the story of the early church, or part of the story of the early church. We join the story after the day of Pentecost, or on the day of Pentecost it is, when Peter has stood up and is speaking to the people. So we join the story at Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Let's read that together. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, brothers, With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. This is God's word. Let's pray as we turn to reflect on it. Lord God, thank you for the story of the early church. Thank you what an encouragement that story is to us that you took these ordinary fishermen and you filled them with your enthusiasm and with your spirit so they could share your word share your wonders with the world around them thank you for your promise that you are the same yesterday today and forever That same Spirit is with us. Help us, Lord, to understand your Word so as to enthusiastically share it with others and to see your wonders in our world. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you will have heard about the situation in North Korea Many of us have supported a couple who have been working there for a number of years, and for obvious reasons I can't mention their names. It's hard enough to live as a foreign worker in that country, but it is far worse to be a Christian in North Korea. Basically, Christianity is outlawed even though the government would deny it. No one is allowed a Bible. No one's allowed to share their faith with their children or anyone else. They aren't allowed to meet together for worship. And if anyone engages in any of those activities, they face imprisonment, torture, and sometimes even execution. Let's listen to what a worker from Open Doors wrote about a family he met from North Korea. I also met with an elderly woman who spent most of her life in North Korea. She was arrested for trying to escape and spent time in a prison camp along with her husband. In prison, she said Psalm 23 gave her incredible comfort. We asked her to recite it for us. Before she even began to recite She held up her hand, and the tears came. Even years after prison, God's word held so much meaning for her that the mere recitation of it brought a flood of pain and of grace. It was a sacred moment for us to hear her voice as she recited those familiar words. The Lord is my shepherd. While her husband was in prison, their children had visited him. He wanted to pass on his faith, but there were guards everywhere. So he did something simple and something profound. He wrote three words on his hand. The three words were, Believe in Jesus. And when he met his children, he held up his hand. Through that act and seeing their father's love for them and for God, his children decided to become Christians. Their father was later killed in prison for refusing to renounce his faith. If you read the literature put out by Open Doors and Release International and other organizations, you can't help but be struck by the fact that the places where Christian people are the most persecuted and where church life is most suppressed are the places where explosive growth of the Christian faith is happening. North Korea is a case in point. How can folks be Christians? And how can Christians be the church in such a place as that? And yet all reports are that the number of Christians is growing there. The church is still alive, despite it being, according to open doors, the most difficult place in the world to be a Christian. Iran is another place where, despite persecution, Christian faith is growing. In this season of ours, many of the things that we once identified as church have been stripped away from us, not by the government, but by this virus and by the necessary precautions that have had to be put in place because of the virus. We haven't been able to use our church buildings. We haven't been able to celebrate the Lord's Supper together in one physical space, although we have fortunately been able to have it online together. We haven't had Sunday Club. The Guild hasn't been able to meet up until a few days ago. We couldn't even meet each other out of doors. And when we are allowed back into our buildings, we won't be able to sing, and we will be limited to the number of people who can join in a service of worship. The question for us, I believe, is, therefore, in our situation, in this season of ours, and going forward into the immediate future. How are we to be the church? In our scripture passage this morning, we have the story of the birth of the first Christian community, the first church after Jesus' resurrection. Luke, who is the writer of the book of Acts, describes here in verses 42 and 47 what the life of the early church looked like just after the amazing events of pentecost so what did things look like at that point well it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer everyone was filled with awe and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Many theologians see in this description certain marks of a healthy church. There are four, or five, or six, depending on your interpretation. I'd like to propose that we look at five of the marks described here over the next number of weeks with the purpose of answering that question that I've already posed. In this season in which we find ourselves, how are we here in Bigger and Blackmount to be the church? In respect to those five marks, how are we to be the church? The five marks that I've chosen for us to concentrate are, 1. Gathering around God's Word. That is what is meant, I believe, when it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Of course, they didn't have the New Testament at this point, but they did have the apostles who wrote the New Testament. These were the twelve, as you might recall who had been with Jesus and who could therefore pass on his words to these others who have just joined the Jesus movement. The second mark is doing life together. That's what is meant by that old fashioned word fellowship there in verse 42. And it is what is described later on in the passage when it talks about sacrificial sharing of resources, both with believers and anyone else who had need. The third mark is sharing the Lord's Supper and other meals together. In verse 42, the breaking of bread there is the way that the early church spoke of the memorial meal that Jesus asked them to keep which we call the Lord's Supper or Communion. They ate it together, often it appears. But that wasn't the only meal that the early church shared. Later on in the passage it says that they broke bread together in their homes with glad and sincere hearts. The fourth mark is praying together. This one is self-explanatory. They met to pray. I'm sure they prayed individually, but they also prayed together. And finally, the fifth mark, growing in number. It says in verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now over the next few Sundays, I'd like us to look at each of these five marks of life in the early church. And I'd like us to ask God to guide us in answering the question, how can these be the marks of our life together in this season in which we find ourselves? Maybe that's a question we should have been asking long before now. And maybe we didn't ask it before because we were confident what church looked like. Church had a building. It had a full-time minister who was in charge of all our gatherings. It had a structure of governance with elders and with a board. It had a children's program, a guild, and various other things that we thought were essential for being the church. But maybe this season of coronavirus, when most of these things have been taken away from us, at least taken away in the way that we were used to having them. Maybe this season has given us the opportunity to get back to basics and to ask what will be the marks of our church life in the future and how will they find expression, perhaps in ways that we never thought they could be expressed. This list of five marks is not a checklist of activities that any church should be engaged in, even though that is how some have looked at this passage in the past. What we have described here in the passage is deeper than activities. It's deeper than programs. It's deeper than any governance structure can ever take us as a church. It's no accident that this description of church that we have here in Acts chapter 2 comes after the day of Pentecost. What was evident in the early church was evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence amongst his people. The Spirit came. The Holy Spirit of God revealed Jesus to those who would listen to the apostles. The Holy Spirit brought people to heartfelt repentance and it led them to a new way of life. And that's what we're seeing here in this passage. New life in Jesus for individuals and for whole families. And yes, the new life expressed itself in Activities and in programs. And yes, the early church developed structures of governance. But those activities, programs, structures of governance were things that only came after. They only came after a, a true letting go of self and all the things that they had relied on in the past. It came after a letting go of those things replaced by holding on to God alone. And it came after them allowing God's Holy Spirit to guide them and fill them up with joy and with God's power on a daily basis through the means of teaching, fellowship, prayer, and sharing in the body of Christ. Our problem, it seems, is that when it comes to church we often get things back to front. We want the building first. We want the leadership. We want the structure. We want programs and activities. And when we've got all those things in place then we're too tired to think about anything else. The function or goal of the church to Glorify God in the world and to see his kingdom on earth gets lost in our efforts to build structures which are often not nimble or agile enough to change when the situation in which we find ourselves changes and often I'm saying this about myself as much as I'm saying it about anyone else often we leave the Holy Spirit shivering out in the rain. The early church, however, was first and foremost led by the Spirit. The Spirit who, in Jesus' words, blows wherever it pleases and not where any human individual or institution would direct it. Because the early church was led by the Spirit, When they came up against situations that meant they needed to change, they were nimble and agile enough to change. Not without pain, mind you, but they were able to change. Immediately after our passage, the apostles are arrested. Stephen, one of their numbers is even killed, and the church is scattered. They're no longer able to meet in public. But they continue to be the church. Then in the rest of the book, the Holy Spirit descends on non-Jews and began to spread around the world the good news about Jesus Christ through people like the Apostle Paul. And this too was a painful time for the early church. But because they were led by the Spirit, they were able to change and they continued to be the church still devoted to the apostles teaching still praying still sharing life and still eating together but in very different context than they had originally known in the jewish city of jerusalem the story of the early church in acts has been the story of the church throughout our history. Changing, and no matter the circumstances, still being the church because it is led by the Spirit of God. So, what might church look like in the near and long-term future for us in Black Mount and in bigger? Can I invite you to come with me And let's explore that question together over these next few weeks. Amen. And may God bless to us this reflection on his word this morning. We come before God now with our prayers of intercession. We pray now for this world, Lord, in which you have called us, And for which you have given us responsibility to care and love, just as you care and love. We pray for the nations far from us, where this pandemic is taking a huge toll. We remember the people of the Russian Federation, Brazil, India, the U.S., and Indonesia. Lord God, give wisdom to leaders and individuals to make decisions that will save lives. We also pray for our own nation as we begin to ease restrictions. Again, Lord, be with our leaders. Help them to make wise decisions, even if they are unpopular. And Lord, help us all to respect our leaders and the guidelines they have given us so that more lives might be spared. Lord, we pray especially for the elderly in our communities for whom this lockdown is becoming very tedious. We ask by the inspiration of your Spirit to help us to remember them and to help us to find ways to minister your love and care to them in this strange season of social distancing. Help us to be the people who, despite being physically distant, are spiritually close. We pray too, Lord, for our young people, just beginning summer holidays. And we ask you to be with moms and dads, Give them inspiration for ways of keeping kids occupied and growing physically, mentally, and spiritually. We pray for those who are ill at this time. And we, especially today, remember Hannah before you. And we ask you to give healing to her body and peace to her whole family. We pray for the families of victims of this terrible attack in Glasgow yesterday and for the injured. Lord God, give comfort and healing there. And finally, we pray for ourselves. Lord, we need your help as individuals and as a church to be and do all that you have called us to be and do. Oh, Lord, help us to rely on your Spirit above anything else and save us from ever being so confident in our own abilities, our own resources, and our own plans that we forget about you and the fact that you are always waiting to speak and to guide. Thank you, Lord, for these times when all is stripped away when we don't know how to respond, when we don't know if our resources will be there or not, when our plans can only be torn up, help us to make the best of this opportunity. Help us to get back to basics, to practice your presence once again. Help us to be so in touch with you that we can feel the slightest nudge of your spirit to go and to act and to speak as you would have us go and speak and act. Lord God, we lift all these prayers to you in the strong and certain name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.